Alright guys, welcome back to Can't Hurt Your Own Risk, episode 40, part 3, or C, uh, where we will be talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street, number 3, The Dream Warriors, or Dream Warriors. Uh, Kent's going to take the lead on this one in our Nightmare on Elm Street franchise discussion, so Kent, take us away. So I, I almost feel bad in the fact that I had the idea a few nights ago where I was like, Hey, we should all get to, you know, take three movies. I was like, yeah, I just really wanted to talk about part three a lot. I, th- this is this is the happiest I'm going to be throughout this whole podcast because this is the movie that gets me. This is the movie that started it all for me because it was the first one I saw. And I think, you know, this this is one of the rare times where – you know, most people will say that the original is usually the best, and that's often the case in horror. But th- this really bucks the trend. This is arguably the best of the franchise, in a lot of people's opinions. And it's because it takes a... It kind of just un... I don't want to say undoes what Part 2 did, but kind of just ignores it. It's like, let's go back to Part 1 and things that worked about it, and then tweak other things. So... um we're introduced to a bunch of new people. Um, this was like the first time I ever saw, uh, what's her name? Patricia Arquette. And this was definitely my first time of seeing, uh, Larry Fishburne later to be known as Lawrence. And he was great in this too, but he was actually one of the final, you know what we can say? He was one of the final people. He did not get killed somehow, which I always found interesting. Um, anyway, we find this, uh, psychiatric hospital, I think is what it is. Um, it's called Weston Hills and all these troubled kids are dealing with nightmares and there's suicide, there's drug problems. There's basically, it's like everything about troubled teens and they're all just freaking lumped together in like... I, I don't know, like, it, I don't want to say stereotypes, but I mean, quite frankly, you have the white and nerdy kid that loves D&D, and his name is uh, Will. You got the big, tough um, black dude named Kincaid, which, what a great name. Uh, Kincaid will always be my favorite guy. Um, you have Taryn, the the badass chick, who later on wears leather and has switchblades. Yay. Two two switchblades. <laughs> two, yeah. Well, I think girls get two switchblades. Guys only get one. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Uh, we, uh, we, we. I think they established some stuff that. Um, I, I think some of the stuff established in part three they work off of throughout the rest of the franchise. Uh, that this kind of set a, a bit of a standard. Um. And they tried following a lot of it from from this point forward, uh, you know, stuff with Freddy's mom, um, who we don't know that until the end. Um, up to that point, we know her as Sister Mary Helena, which is weird because my mom's name is Mary and my grandmother's name was Helena, so that's pretty fucking weird to me. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm yeah I'm missing Joey. Joey's the mute guy. He don't talk. Uh, we got Philip. He's uh, he just likes to make puppets, which is 
a really weird personality trait. I don't even know if that's a personality trait, but it made for you know something very iconic later. Uh, and, and of course, we get Kristen, uh, who's the star, and I don't know if she really should have been the star. She's actually one of the weakest of the stars, which is weird considering how strong the movie is, but that's because all the side characters are so strong, I think. And we bring back Nancy, who is no longer crazy. Um, she's now like this undergrad fucking genius in dreams. Uh, so I don't know if the narrative... Ch- I don't know. Would you guys say that they just said fuck whatever part two said? Or do you think, like, she went crazy and then went got a degree in dream whatever? How do you think that played out? I think probably she never went crazy. And that was just a rumor that they came up with in part two. You you know, like, you hear other rumors going around, you know, about shit going on in, in this series, you know, between the different iterations. Um, I mean, considering the fact that they forgot that, like, Freddy Krueger existed or that, you know, those, he killed 20 or 28 or whatever the number was, kids back in the day. And, you know, now there's, I'm sure, like, at the high school, there's, like, pictures that they had to take down, you know, because he was in the janitor background or whatever, or the kids are, you know, they, how do you fucking make all that shit disappear? Uh so I think it's it's less like a retcon and more like, oh, no, she never was crazy. That was just, you know, a fucking a rumor that the kids perceived said. to be crazy because she, she, yes, she was yeah. telling the truth the, the entire time. But there's a lot of things hard to explain. Sure. Now, before I get going any further... I think I've brought this up in the past, but I want to bring it to attention to anybody listening now. If you ever look at the cover or the movie poster for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, you'll see Freddy in the top half, his head, and then he has uh, five blades, not four, because the artist knew exactly what they weren't doing. Um, If you look closely, you'll notice that the artwork makes no damn sense, because uh, I don't know if... The guy on the left uh, definitely should be Kincaid. I'm not sure if he's a black guy or a white guy, per the movie poster. Um, the girl in the middle should be Kristen, except she has darker hair. Um, I, I don't even know if she ever wears anything like that. Joey has a spiked mace and blonde hair. And Taryn has white silver hair and her switchblades. And she never once wears that outfit. That's how you do a fucking movie yeah. cover. Am I right? Not yeah. remotely indicative. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, they probably had the poster first, you know. <laughs> they were, like, rushing to put all these out. <laughs> yeah, like, nobody ever, like, stopped to help be, like... They probably, like, read, like, the character description, like, okay, we got this. And then, all of a sudden, like, they finally saw the movie, like, oh, we, we did everything wrong. But... Whatever, I have this, I'm looking at this poster, I have it framed in my living room, it's the only movie poster I currently own, and I, I, I'm proud of this. Uh, this, this was the first one that brought on uh, any kind of, like, celebrities, it had uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor, 
getting interviewed by uh, what was his name, Dick Cavett, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It, it's just like a there's there's a cool mishmash of like some established people, and then you know Patricia Arquette went on to do some cool stuff. Lawrence Fishburne obviously went on to do some cool shit. Uh, John Saxon, he he has a small enough appearance. He he's at the Little Nemo's bar. Uh, I enjoy that name for the bar. Uh, we get Kristen's mother. Uh, and she comes back in part four. I'm so happy they brought her back for part four, by the way, because she was great as the, I don't know, impatient mom, always going, Andale, Andale. You know, she she was fantastic. Uh, I I would say, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, this movie stands out for a lot of reasons, but the creative dream sequences, the aura of the dreams were, you know, if if somebody's not getting killed, the aura was very creepy and like very artistic and, and great. But like the death sequences were all very, very quite creative and, and elaborate. I, I think that makes helps it, this movie stand out above the rest or very high up on the list. If it's not your number one, would you agree with that? Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, this was my favorite movie as a kid. Of of the series, and it is my favorite movie now of the series. Um, I've always thought fondly, and I mean, I didn't know who Patricia Arquette was when I saw this when I was like, I don't know, eleven or or twelve when we rented it. But you know, shortly thereafter, she was in True Romance, which is my favorite movie of all time. So when I went back, probably in like when I was seventeen or eighteen, and I rewatched it, I was like. Oh my god, like Tashir Ketz in this. And Lawrence Fishburne. And uh yeah, so and I love Tashir Ket. Academy Award winner. Which is pretty impressive. This is my favorite in the series. Uh I knew it was one gonna be one of the ones I liked the best going back. Uh there was shit I didn't remember about it though that had been a long time. Um A I way expected more from Patricia Ket because like Kevin said, you know, Academy Award winner, like look at her performance in Stigmata, and then look at her performance in this, and you can see somebody who just, like, either she hadn't had acting classes or whatever the director was giving her was not what she fucking needed. Um, Chuck Russell isn't a bad director, but you're right. It seems like she was just wandering through this kind of directionless. However, what I would like to point out is, like you guys have said, Lawrence Fishburne was really good in it. And again, his character went and went, went against tropes. But what I hadn't remembered, and I have to bring up, is I think um, Neil Gordon is probably one of the best examples of a character like in an '80s horror movie going against all of the tropes that you would have fucking expected for him to be. Um, you know, he he was, believes. You know, what people are trying to tell him, he goes along with it. When she asks him for the hypnocell, he gets it for her, even though he doesn't agree with her at the time. You know, he tries to help the kid. You know, it, it was, I had completely forgotten that he even existed as a character in the movie. And I was like, holy shit, this guy fucking works. Like, he's a well-written character, you know, along with being the interesting side characters. Like you were talking about with Joey and Philip and Kincaid and Taryn and Will, you know. 
being interesting for the the dream scene. I was like, shit. Like, if more doctors were written like this, there would probably be a lot less tropes in horror movies in regards to, you know, like, the believability of shit. Witness, like, Dr. Sims in this. I was going to say, like, isn't Sims the perfect, like, antagonist to, to, to Neil? Like, she's what you always expected from the Doctor, and then we get Neil. It, like, they are perfect rivals in their own way, right? Yeah, and it, it just worked. Like, I wasn't expecting... Again, again, I remember the dream sequences in this one, but I didn't remember a lot of the shit going on outside, and I was like, oh, shit, you know, like... I was like, he's really well-written. That, that was something that, um, you know... Probably the fact that you can see Frank Darabont's hand from the screenplay in there with that. Absolutely. Oh. But uh, but like you said, yeah, the, the the kills are creative, and this one really, even more than the first one, feels like the foundation for the series as a whole. Oh yeah, I I think yeah I I think that four five. And even six used more from this than they did from the original. That's how it feels to me. Um, I, I was wondering, so like the kids all get dream powers, but like were the dream powers only limited to kids? Like because Nancy didn't have a dream power. I, I found that kind of strange. She doesn't have a dream power, right? No, she didn't. And. I mean, the other thing I found strange was that, like, I finished watching this and went right into four, and, like, 15 minutes later, the kids who had dream powers no longer had dream powers. Well, in all fairness, Kristen's dream power, which does not get insulted nearly enough, and although it's my favorite, it, this needs to be said, out of all dream powers, she chose that she can do a fucking cartwheel. Her dream power? Uh, what, like, everybody else chose, like, cool shit. Like, Kincaid is super strong and bends chairs. Will, straight up, is a fucking wizard. I mean, granted, it doesn't hold up against Freddy, but in theory, that's a good fucking dream power. Well, what was Terrence? Like, I mean, she got switchblades, and then she never stabbed him. She got a mohawk, she was beautiful and bad, and she got weird blinking holes on her arms. Once again, I still think that's better than Kristen's. I think Kristen's was supposed to be less that she can just do a cartwheel and more that she can do martial arts, because she does kick him once or twice. Oh, for sure, cat's character? I, I, yeah. Oh, well, her, yeah. her power... Shouldn't her dream power just been that she brings people into Yeah, dreams? that she connects all of them yeah. together. That was her, her dream power. But yeah, that was a super cheesy 80s thing. But it's more impressive than all of them, because so, she can connect yeah. everyone through her dreams, so it's very... Um, I don't know. That was something that uh, she was able to do since she was little, like a weird, you know, telepathy thing. I, I'm not going to lie, too. She was fucking those guys up when they were trying to sedate her, too. So, I mean, that was that oh, was God, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> that was I, more I, impressive than anything she did against Freddy. I noted, I'm like, the guy restraining Kristen did a horrible job. That is one of my notes I am looking at right now. Like, just an absolute... The guy had to weigh twice as much as her and just was, nah, she wasn't having it. And also, one of the grossest things, in the, I mean, in a movie full of gore and stuff, but come on, the coffee grounds and Diet Coke, 
Does that not like turn your stomach every time you see it? Didn't think about it. Honestly. I I just think it sounds I, I'm not a coffee fan either, so maybe it sounds grosser to me than it would to a coffee drinker. I don't know. It just seems like a really bad combination. No, it's uh, gross. So uh, like <sighs> Alright. I'd be remiss without saying that Dokken uh Rockin' Like Dokken fucking did the soundtrack and one of the greatest soundtrack songs of all times with their song Dream Warriors. But they also did um, another song called Into the Fire, which was the opening song when Kristen was, I don't know, is that paper mache what she was doing when she was building the house? I don't know what the fuck that was. Yeah, that was paper mache. Okay, I've just never done it, so I wasn't sure what the hell that was. Okay. Um, So Dokken did the soundtrack, and it was a great soundtrack. Uh, it's e- either number one or number two, depending on if you like quality or quantity. Uh, now, I I know I brought this up, but later on we're going to find out that Freddy supposedly has a weakness to seeing his own reflection, yet it, towards the end, Freddy's in like 12 different fucking mirrors in a hallway looking at each other. Would that not count as Freddy looking at his own reflection, or am I overthinking this? No, I would say it counts. Um, another thing. How, <laughs> practically, how, how do they ever possibly explain Jennifer's death? There was no table close to the TV. She was super short. She would have had to been, you know, she would have had to stand on something, and then we're saying that that little girl was strong enough to headbutt... I'm pretty sure those screens back in the 80s were relatively thick TV screens. How the hell would they have ever possibly explained her being able to do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, suicide by television. It's um, welcome to primetime, bitch. Right? <laughs> I mean, th- I think yes, that scene I- is so cool that they're like, whatever, like... Like this is a this is a movie about someone who kills people in their dreams. Like <laughs> moving on, the, the coolness factor is so much better than the practical factor, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've got um, a couple of questions. Yes. Um, all right. So when Kristen is paper macheing the house, we get the new version of the house. So what the fuck is the deal with that? Like, is it implying that it's been so long since part two that the house is just fucking run down now and, you know, the shutters are all fucking falling off and broken and and that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Wouldn't that house... Okay, so we see the neighborhood at various points in time throughout the franchise. It's a pretty nice neighborhood. Yeah. And yet you have this really run-down place that has this horrible history. At some point, wouldn't that house have just been take, like, just tore down it? And- yeah, there's no way in that neighborhood they would have let that house go and ruin everybody's fucking property values instead of just fucking bulldozing it. Well, I did think it was like a story yeah, purpose it- of like, okay, so this one is not about the house. That house is destroyed. This is like – and then they creatively like get everyone in a – they they introduce all the characters in this hospital so they can do it like in one scene where like boom 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 these are these characters these are their different personalities there's like five of them right 
and then reintroduce yeah Heather Langenkamp at the same time like it I mean I think they were just you know they got a lot to fit in in 90 minutes so <laughs> I have a question too all right oh. and my other question oh okay uh, well, okay so my question is um like there's like a seems like they like pick and choose like what affects reality and what doesn't like the scene where uh it's philip where he uh freddie did that really cool marionette character and he cuts out his tendons and like pulls his his things you know uses them as a marionette but when his roommate wakes up he's got no marks on his arms at all because then it wouldn't work you'd be like oh he's bleeding this is an emergency rather than him just like walking out and then also he can walk through you know, locked doors, like security doors in a mental, you know, institution. That's a thing that happens in a lot is people being able to walk through things in the quote unquote real world. And I, I meant to ask that cause it happened in the part two as well, but yeah, that was something I, I was legitimately wondering. And then How in the beginning, possible? Kirsten's got her wrist slit, and she's got the razor blade, but, like, her, her wrist is slit, and it was supposed to be, like, Freddy Krueger that did that, but, like, then when it's Philip, it's, like, you know, yeah, so I don't I don't know. That was that was another, not trying to nitpick, but that's something I noticed, but, like, in the first movie, there's a giant hole in the, ble- the bed and blood all over the place for Glenn's death, but, you know, no cuts on the arms or tendons or anything ripped out. Okay. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that. Um, all right, so my question is, we've already established in the first two movies that Freddy can't come into the real world unless he's either you know, possessed somebody or somebody pulls him out. So how the fuck does his body jump out of the grave to fucking kill John Saxon in the fucking graveyard while he's interacting with other people in their dreams at the exact same fucking time? <laughs> I would even argue that Freddy might be able to jump in the real world in that house. I would even go that far, but obviously your question isn't even in the house. So, yeah, no. But I, and how dated did that scene look? That that's Dude, really that, one of the that was the uh, like that doesn't even hold up to like the Ray Harryhausen like Sinbad fucking <laughs> skeleton from like. Is it the next? Is it the uh, next movie where they do the whole like the deaths give him power, or was that? Three, so it's not even in this movie because yes. that's where I would argue that. Well, because then yeah, it's not like, even in this if one. they gained power, yeah. But if it's not even in this one, I'm just like trying to make <laughs> like trying to do more work than the Frank Darabont <laughs> and Chuck Russell did on this screenplay. It's a good question. Like Freddie's like, oh wait, I can sense my real world bones are getting dug up and fucked with, <sighs> like. <laughs> Well, and it obviously didn't work because we got three more movies right immediately after this. So, like, why would he even bother fucking killing them if they're gonna? He's just like, I'm just gonna come back next time. So, <laughs> yeah, go well, have fun. That's because he's a burnt face pussy, um, according to Kincaid. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, so I just want to throw out a so. Every movie I tried doing some one-liners, not all movies had great one-liners, but uh, Kincaid is a fucking master. Aside from the, you know, welcome to primetime, bitch. Uh, we have, <laughs> in in group session, 
uh, Nancy asks Sims, and where are they in regards to the dreams? Or, or and what are they? And um, Sims says, the byproducts of guilt, psychological, sc- star- psychological scars stemming from moral conflicts and overt sexuality. And Kincaid responds, great. Now it's my dick that's tr- <laughs> that's trying to kill me. Yeah, that was a good one. That, that's great. Um, and then, like, when Philip is first getting, you know, walk, doing the sleepwalking, <laughs> Kincaid's like, Philip, wake up. Have a nice stroll, asshole. Like, <laughs> he just... And then, then, there's one more good one. Um, Sims, I'm not listening to this. How much longer are you going to go on blaming your dreams for your own weaknesses? And Kincaid responds, Lady, how much longer are you going to keep blowing smoke up our ass? He was a fucking gem. So, love him. Uh, I have a question regarding Hypnosil. It seems to be implied that Hypnosil is allowing Nancy to not have to deal with Freddy Krueger at all? Like, is that her solution? Was was Hypnosil the thing that was keeping you, Freddy Krueger away from her? Yes, it was letting her sleep, but without going into the dream state, so he couldn't get to her. So, in theory, shouldn't that have just worked for everybody? Well, they were trying to get the, the prescription for it, right? That was, like, what the doctor was signing for, and the nurse didn't want it, so... that Yeah. And then, and then Sims shot that down when she found them in the group session. I just, it seems... Uh, I, I didn't like that... Alright, so in part one, we had uh, Glenn being a fucking expert in, in was a Belizean dream theories and stuff. So in this one, you know, Nancy has a dream doll, so I'm thinking, oh, they're going to tie it together. No, this one's a Malaysian dream doll. Like, why not just tie it together? Like, it... it why not? I don't know. Uh, yeah, she, she could uh, have even just thrown out one sentence been like, yeah, I got into this because of one of my ex-boyfriends. Yeah, right, I, I started been... studying dream cultures. Um... Let's see. Um, now, here's another question. How the fuck did Nancy just magically wander in? Now, this is a psychiatric hospital, and she's brand new, and she's just going to let herself into the, I don't know, presumably like the emergency room aspect of the hospital to sing a fucking nursery rhyme to Kristen? Like, what was the security protocol here? I mean, obviously, it's not that good if, you know, people can just walk through your fucking doors while they're sleeping, so. This, I'll say, uh, if if I ever get under 200 pounds, this has been my lifetime goal, if I ever get below 200 pounds, I will get a tattoo of Freddy in the sky as the puppet master. Uh, that's, But I don't, I as a fat guy, fat people look horrible with back tattoos, so I will only do it if I ever get under 200 pounds. So that's my treat. Ever. Just throwing that out there. Lifelong dream. All right, universe, um, make it happen. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, how, you know, they mentioned that a kid cut off his own eyelids to stay awake. Would, wouldn't your eyes just dry up, like, immediately and become useless? Uh... I, don't, I mean, I don't think it would be immediate, but yeah, as soon as your your tear ducts just empty out and there's nothing left. After it stops bleeding? 
Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty awful. crazy. We don't get to see that, though, right? No. But we do get to see that Joey has a teardrop on his face, like he served time in prison, which I always found to be kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I am trying to find... I had... I, I, I had a lot of notes here. I was also trying to figure out, like, the time frame. I feel that this was seven years after the original. Uh, which, I mean, isn't too much of a leap, because this was, what, 88, 87? The original came out in 84, so it was three years. Eh, another four years, there really isn't a huge difference. It made Nancy look Would older. you have expected Nancy to be a senior in the first one? Yes. Because, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have picked maybe sophomore or or juniors. Yeah, I think but they were I mean, written as like 15. In the yeah, so I mean, that, that would, seven years would put her as an undergrad at 22. Okay. I, no, I don't think so. Not, not a renowned dream-studying undergrad. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, I like that Philip, uh, in one of the group sessions, he's like, people keep telling us that this is mass hysteria dreaming, but the fact that they all dreamed about the same guy before they ever met doesn't seem to impress anybody. I think that's one of the best lines in the whole movie, and all the adults are just like, eh, well, whatever. As is typical nightmare in an Elm Street fashion, where the adults are mostly idiots. Yeah, no shit. I mean, that that right there... Like, if my kid came up to me and said, Dad, I'm having nightmares, and, like, people 16 states away are having the same nightmare, I'd be like, okay, maybe something's going on. You know, Doc, how about you fucking listen to my son instead of just fucking ignoring him? Yeah. Oh, can we talk about how creepy the, the male nurse guy is that is just standing and waiting outside the girl's like bathroom waiting for Taryn to come out so he could offer drugs in exchange for sexual favors presumably uh yeah that's that's basically like you know rape like really like they could not have made him i don't know if they could have made him any more creepy uh so yeah they could they could have had richard brake play him and then he would be creepier gosh richard brake would have been young and still creepy i bet Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I've often wondered how do the doctors explain the message written on Joey's chest? <laughs> like, I can't even remember what you know. Whatever Freddie wrote on his chest and carved it, like doctor checking, like how the hell did this get here? That would be a reasonable question, I, I would think. Um, in the junkyard, am I the only person that when they see the red? Red card that they think of Christine? No. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, did anybody laugh when Skeleton Freddy kills uh, Saxon and then does like a little victor- victory like dance and fist bump? I laughed, but it wasn't in a good way. Oh no, it wasn't in a good way at all, but it was funny. Probably in the worst way possible. Uh, and one other thing. 
is it did, did it strike anybody weird that you know at the funeral like you know a funeral is a really serious thing all of a sudden neil sees the nun he's just like eh, fuck this funeral i gotta go talk to this nun that i talked to once before like i, I that's weird right What's weirder? I mean, a guy who can come into your dreams and kill you there and wanting to talk to a nun that you've only met once or twice before who only shows up when people are dead? Or the fact that there's like an entire wing in the hospital that's fucking overgrown and underused and like nobody's been in there and like a hundred dudes raped a single chick in there like over the course of several days and they never bothered to like burn it down or renovate it or even, you know, just give it a, like a good lock for the fucking. Now. All right. In part six, there is the, they're outside the, the bell tower rings. Is that the same bell tower that, is that the same tower that, um, Amanda Kruger goes up or if, if it is, it's not, Located in the same location, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I was like, I was looking at the architecture. I was like, it looks like the same one, but everything else around it doesn't quite look right. But by the same token, Weston Hills in part, I don't know, four. I think it's five, maybe, just didn't look the same either. So I don't know. I I just found it kind of interesting, but. Yeah, overall. I, so we all agree that this was our favorite Nightmare movie. Yes. Right? Good. I'm happy to hear that. All right. Does anybody have anything else? Or are we moving on? I guess we'll be moving on to Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, when we come back. <laughs> <laughs> 